Welcome to Masters of Employee Development, Mike Acker's podcast devoted to training team members in any type of organization. As a best-selling author, corporate trainer, and business leader, I seek out guests each week to discuss training successes, challenges, and best practices. On this show, you will hear from incredible CEOs, HR directors, and other experienced managers responsible for leadership and development. Lean in, listen, and take part in a community dedicated to improving life through increasing leadership. When it comes to employee development, you need to sometimes take a chance. That's what we're talking about today with Brittany Story from Credly. Brittany, welcome to the program. I'm so glad that you are on it here with me today. Mike, it's so wonderful to be here and to speak to you today. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. And this is fun for all of our viewers and our listeners on the podcast and YouTube. Brittany's coming out of recommendation from Jonathan Finkelstein, also from Credly. And as we were talking about someone that he got to be part of their development story, he talked about this person named Brittany. And then that put me in contact with her. And she's now in charge of helping other people get developed and that whole process for Credly. So I'm super excited to hear about this because you are the person that we talked about in a previous episode. And now we get to pass this on. But before we dive into all of that, tell me a little bit about yourself, your journey of personal development, and then what you do to develop others. Well, I am so flattered to have been spoken about so highly by Jonathan. And ultimately, my journey is what has led me to Credly and keeps me passionate and motivated about everything that I'm doing and investing in culture and development of others. So my journey and my pathway to where I am now as head of people operations at Credly is a little bit unique. When we think about a traditional career path for people that we might view as being successful, it might include a college education, some sort of an internship program, people taking them under their wings. But we also know that there are a lot of people like me who maybe didn't have access or the ability because of a lot of different reasons, familial, um, because of financial obligations, just life situations where either they didn't have access to traditional affordable college education or they perhaps had to take a break or had a different pathway. And so my journey started out, I did have the fortunate opportunity to attend a little bit of college. Uh, I studied political science and economics and then found myself where I needed to take a break. Um, There were a lot of different factors in my life where I needed to take a step back and I had to make a very difficult and emotionally intelligent decision at an extremely young age of putting that up in pause and knowing that I had the grit, I had the tenacity, I would find a way to get back there and I would improve my circumstances, but then was not the time. And then a few years later, I found myself in a situation as a young single mother where I had the drive and the fire within my belly, where I knew that I needed to provide for my child. I knew I needed to make a better life for myself. And I was curious and I was motivated. And ultimately, I wanted to understand more about business and the way that things worked and the influence that companies had. And so I found a position where they took a chance on me. Or at least at the time, I thought, oh, 
I'm so grateful they're taking a chance on me. <laughs> and uh, I found myself really digging in my heels and learning as much as I possibly could about the company. And I've repeated that in every organization that I've been with. But I found myself in a situation where I thought, okay, it's going to take me so long as a single mom working full time, going back to school at night to complete a college education. What can I do to advance my career and learn the skills that I need to to be effective in my career in human resources? So I spent late nights Googling how to put together a business development plan um, and a business proposal. I presented it and I said, look, I identified this opportunity for me to take night classes. I can study to earn the PHR from HRCI, which is an industry recognized credential in human resources. I know at the end of this 13 weeks, if you give me this $1,500 and if you give me this opportunity, I will apply this to the business. And this is what you're going to gain tenfold. I did that. And after that, doors started opening up wide for me. And that's ultimately what brought me back to Credly. Credly is um, leading the world's movement on digital credentials. And we are doing that by helping organizations identify the skills that earners may have that will directly correlate to the jobs that they need help with, with developing their company. Um, so ultimately, my mission is to take that everything take everything that I've learned along the way and apply that back towards helping other people, um, both in our organization, create that product that's helping that. And then also leading by example, showing, hey, I did it. I did it with a lot of help, but also you can do it too. And I want to help you do that as well. Absolutely amazing there. Often what happens is when we have had something that we've experienced, we want to pass that on to others, right? I mean, even I'm at the spot where I got the six-year-old son and I'm starting to hand down toys and baseball cards that I kept when I was older because it was meaningful to me and I'm passing them down to him. Now, in a much more significant way, you were developed, you were believed in. Someone, to use your words, took a chance on you and now your job in human resources and people development and leadership is to believe in others, develop others, take a chance on others. And you do it with a great company, Credly, which is making sure that people don't have to have a specific amount of education, a specific amount of experience, but really what are they qualified and skilled to do? So check people can check out Jonathan's talk about Credly a whole bunch, and you can look it up online. I want to I want to go back to this thing that you said. Take a chance. You said, I was hoping that somebody would take a chance on me. And so dive into that a little bit about what it feels like for someone to take a chance and then we'll turn it around and how we can take chances on other people. But, but what did it feel like and why did you feel like it was a chance? Like, why did you feel like it wasn't a certainty when you said invest in me and such? Yeah. So I think like many people, I had a tendency of leading with insecurity early on in my career. And I think that that happens to many of us. You see that in a lot of decisions and behaviors, even as high as senior management um, throughout, throughout many careers. And what really helped me break that barrier was actually through another mentor that I had met through the organization SHRM. I met a leader years ago who 
was discussing my career development opportunities with. And I said, yeah, but, you know, I can't apply for that job because every organization wants someone with a four year uh, four year degree and a master's program. And I'm never going to be able to get to that. And I don't have a degree. I don't have a degree. And she slammed her hands down on the table and she said, stop leading with your insecurities. You are so talented and motivated and everyone around this organization or everyone at this table leaders in um in in high-ranking positions in human resources at this table are looking at you and they see the grit that you have and your um your excitement to learn and your optimism and your strength and resilience and lead with that lead with those qualities and so now as a leader myself what I find, and again, going back to the skills-based hiring that we focused on at Credly, we don't look for individuals to join our organization based on if they have completed a traditional four-year college education. In fact, as our lead talent acquisition specialist at Credly, I actually am much more curious about the failures that people have made in their career and what they've learned from them. I wanna know, what does that gap on your resume mean? You got fired from an organization. You had to take a step back. You had this setback. You were on a pip. You tried something bold and you failed. Tell me about that. That's where you learn. The, the secret sauce, if you will, to everything is not about all of the shiny accolades all of the time. It's about when did you try with big, bold ideas and when did you take the data that you learned from all of that and, and take a step back and analyze and realize how you're going to change that going forward. What did you learn from that situation that you can apply going forward? And what can you teach others in the process with everything? So I always encourage other leaders, both at Credly and in my network, to focus more on the why behind everything, understand the story, get to the bottom of it. Because if you focus solely on a resume, you're going to be missing out on all of the details that make someone so talented to join your organization. Okay, I got to back up here just a moment because you just said several things that are just amazing and all within a story. So let me pull it from there. And the first thing you said was this whole idea of leading with insecurity. And, and so as we're talking to people and maybe you're listening to this, you're watching this, and you're thinking, I, I want to apply. I want to go do something. Can we just encourage you take a hold of Brittany's words and don't lead with insecurity. That was so powerful. That story of having that friend tell you, this is what you do well. So stop leaning into the things that you don't do well and lean into the things that you do well. So a great message there for everybody listening in 2022, lead with your strengths, lead with all the great things, not, not with your insecurity. And great thing for us as managers, for us as people developers to be inviting people to do, to be that voice. And then the second thing you talked about was this curiosity. And when I'm when I'm listening to you and you're talking about the people that you're with, you are doing this whole listen with curiosity thing. You're asking the question of why, and you're trying to get to the bottom of the story, not just being impressed by what they've achieved. What do you think? What do you think you need to do to to lead and listen and coach and develop with curiosity? What are you doing so that you have that kind of attitude versus just? You can get really busy, so it can be easier just to do like a checklist. So what are you doing in order to lead with curiosity? 
the first thing you have to do is you have to lead, leave your ego at the door. You have to step into any situation knowing that there are going to be other people in the room who have strengths that are better than yours. You are going to hire people, even on your own team and your direct reports, who are going to be more talented than you. When I'm building my own personal HR team or people operations team, depending on how an organization may classify it, I want to hire people who can do the job better than I can in different areas. I want everyone to take this message loud and clear. Get the phrase culture, <laughs> culture fit out of your vocabulary. You need to be looking for culture enhancements. You need to look for team enhancements. You need to hire people who are smarter than you, who can challenge you in different ways, who can challenge you to be a better leader and can help you get the job done. The best thing that you can do as a leader is to get, a, get rid of the blockers that are going to stop and stifle your direct reports and your teams from being able to do their job well. You need to hire people who can do the job and you need to provide the space for them to do that. If you don't do that, you are ultimately creating more work for yourself and for your organization, and you are stifling creativity. Okay, so let me push back. Let me play the advocate for the other side, okay? okay. So you're saying don't look for culture fit. Yet all of us know that if you're in a full different culture, it's going to pull you away. So there's got to be some kind of balance there because I've hired, I've been hired into a culture that was not a fit. Mm-hmm. And, and in one situation, it wasn't a fit and I was going a different way and we all felt it. We all felt the tug. So, sure. so where is the balance there or where is the, how do you know if it's going to be enhancing or going to be clashing? That's a really fantastic question. And I think that's something that a lot of leaders struggle with. So you can't just have an enhancement. You also have to have an alignment. So are your values aligned with each other? Are you working towards the same goal? But also, are you someone who can help enhance the skills of the existing team members that you may have and broaden the worldview of the team that you may already have within your organization? Okay, so we we got this. I'm thinking through this. This is I'm thinking through some of my own personal history too on this and hiring because I hired for years and years. Sure. And and I'm looking at this going. Okay, so your values, we got the values that fit. You you feel the same way we do about this. You feel this, you'll you'll grab a hold, you come from some of the same ideology or same background and whatever it might be, you share that in common. Okay, culturally, you might come from a big corporate culture or small business culture or this kind of whatever culture. You might even be from a different country or something and you're coming from a whole different ethnic culture. And yet you'll be bringing in a different way to expand our culture. Is that kind of the way you're thinking about it? So you got the values that we're holding close, but the culture you're actually bringing in and influencing our culture? Partially, yes. I think that when you're hiring, especially when you're hiring individuals who may have a different worldview or different types of experiences, You always want to make sure that there's a culture of humility throughout the organization as well. And that has to be, you know, that has to be incorporated into your company values. It's one thing to have a lot of super smart individuals 
uh, who can do the job and can bring fresh ideas. But actually one of the things that we care so much about at Credly is also balancing that humility. And I think that's part of what has made us so successful and has led our team to such a rapid and expansive growth is that I work with a, a team of super smart and talented individuals, but there's not a sense of hierarchy that I felt in other organizations. Sure, you still have people who are ultimate decision makers who are there to provide direction and structure to the organization. But in any conversation and in any meeting, there is always the opportunity to share ideas, to share a different way of looking at things, but it's done in a respectful way. It's known that with, <laughs> with great power comes great responsibility, so Come to say, now. to bring out my inner nerd. Um, so you can have a fresh idea and you can have you, you can be bold and um and to propose something but then you also have to be accountable to the ideas that you're bringing forth um and so this whole culture that or the culture that we've seen in a lot of organizations in high growth situations where you know ultimately you get to a certain point where you continue to grow and grow and grow and then there's a culture that starts to crack. And then you see a lot of organizations that see, okay, our employee morale is failing. And, um, you know, suddenly people are disgruntled and what got us here isn't going to get us there. And, you know, the early adopters maybe aren't finding a fit anymore and they're feeling stifled and like things are changing too much and everything. And then you start seeing some of the, you know, the perks being thrown in that quite honestly are not really fixing anything. I mean, I, I go back to when I was interviewing at Cradley and I remember saying, you can't fix a broken foundation with band-aids. You have to make sure that there's a strong alignment of values. And so I would say for any leaders out there, it is integral to your organization to make sure that you have core values that are, are the heart of your organization so that when you are looking to enhance your culture and not necessarily replicate the skills and and the behaviors and the experience that you might have existing in the team that you're still going back to those values you know whether it's five six ten even 10 is probably too much. Um, if you have those core pillars of what's important to your organization, then ultimately every decision that you make, whether it's hiring, um, putting someone on a performance improvement plan, providing opportunities for an individual, making product decisions, um, all of those things have to come back to the values of your organization. And that should be your North Star. One of the things, there's a lot out there about values. And, and of course, there's slight difference of, of ways that we can talk about it. I think what you're holding, uh, grabbing a hold of is so valuable right here. Like finding that person, take a chance on that person who might not have the, the education or the experience, but is a value alignment, might actually have some things that they bring that's going to take the culture into a new territories. And you're, you're taking a chance on them and watching them and developing them and encouraging them. But in the midst of all of this at the at the bottom of your values as foundation of all your values, I'm hearing this whole humility thing. And that's easier said than done because a lot of times when you get someone who is very skilled, well, humility is not the first thing that you're going to say <laughs> they have. So when you're looking for people, how are you finding humility in them? And what kind of what are your tests? What are your litmus tests for discovering humility in them? Yeah. So I'm always curious about what motivates individuals. And we all have different motivations. And you know, you have your, 
your hierarchy of needs, of course. So you have to make sure that basics are taken care of as well. Most of us are not uh, in a situation where we can just work without compensation that's going to afford the things that we need in our life. So that's an important part. Of course, there's career aspirations, there's goals that individuals have, but at the core of all of that, there's also the motivation. So when I hear from direct reports or members of our team, for example, in two years, I want to be a people manager, or by age 30, I want to be a director, or by age 45, I want to, I want to be a chief uh, operations officer or whatever it may be. I want to ask them why. So at a previous organization, one of our values was why, 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 why? And when I first came there, I thought this is kind of <laughs> yeah. it's kind of an interesting value. It's a, it's a toddler value, right? Yeah, why? yeah, why? absolutely. Why? Um, but I've I found that in asking those questions and really getting to the root of what motivates an individual and and what's leading them to um, to reach a decision, you're able to unpack a lot. And in all of that, um, ultimately going back to the humility component of all of this. We all come to any situation with previous history, whether it be good, bad, indifferent, and that can be in organizations or other opportunities that we may have had in life. And sometimes that can cloud our judgment about what is here and now. And so when um, when trying to really help develop people and get to a place where we can lead with humility, there's also a responsibility that leaders have in creating a an emotionally safe environment and a trusting environment so that individuals can open up and they can share, hey, these are my insecurities. Hey, these are the things that I do want to accomplish in my career. And that has to be led um, by example from, from top and senior management down. And that's a very difficult thing to achieve in an organization, especially when that's a new muscle to flex. You remind me of the, the story of Benjamin Franklin. He wrote down seven values that he wanted to accomplish in his life. Are you familiar with the story? I uh, Yes, I am. But please go on. And, and well, correct me if I get off track on it, because it's been a while. It just it came to mind. And then he had this, this person say, well, you should add in this value. And it was humility. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's a good value. That's a good value. So he added it in. And at the end of his life, he took, he had taken every single year to invest himself in one different specific value. And at the end of his life, he said, I accomplished all of them except for this eighth value of humility because <laughs> it was an external value. And I think what's interesting is if people are listening and going, yeah, yeah, I should be, I should be humble. That's a good one. Kind of like a Benjamin Franklin. Yeah, yeah, I should have a culture that's humble. But it, you're right, if it doesn't come from the founders, the CEO, the director, the, the head person, it's going to be very hard to infuse in everything. Well, and I'd like to add on to that, too, in that sometimes individuals might hear leading with humility and think like, OK, well, that's never going to fly in my organization. Sometimes I even think that. <laughs> and I think that how you... <laughs> How you display humility can, you know, that can show up in a couple of different ways. When I think about it from a leadership and even a product development and a company growth perspective and everything, humility doesn't mean that you walk around, um, you know, 
coddling individuals or letting people continuously have uh, attempts at, at failure and there's never any repercussions or anything like that. To me, humility means I don't have all of the answers. We don't have all of the answers and we have to keep our eyes wide open and we have to be lifelong learners. Otherwise, we're not going to grow as individuals and our company is ultimately going to be surpassed by the competition that is out there because what we might be doing is interesting and fascinating and um, and other people are going to take notice. So knowing that there's always opportunity to improve and always opportunity to grow is what makes companies that I admire to be the most successful. Going back to everything that we've said in this time so far, curiosity just keeps on coming up. You know, be curious about me, take a chance on me. You know, be curious about what strengths you have, not just knowing these insecurities, listening with curiosity, developing, be asking that question, why, when somebody comes in and do that. Is curiosity something that you see in your life? Because I see this theme again and again. So do you see this? Is this something you work on? Is this something that's natural? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, one of the things that I love so very much about working for Credly is that we not only share our message with the world that we should be constantly learning and developing and hiring and providing opportunities based on skills, but we really do our best to adopt our own culture of lifelong learning. And so even though years ago I did get that one credential, I'm constantly working on new credentials. I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly studying um, what other organizations are doing. And they could be in a completely different industry. Actually, one of my favorite Two of my favorite podcasts actually are um, Masters of Scale with Reed Hoffman and then How I Built This by Guy Raz. And I love listening to origin stories, not necessarily because, uh, you know, I know of the brand or I see how successful they are, but I like to hear about the early, the early challenges that they had so I can learn from them and I can apply those lessons to what I'm doing. Um, but going back to what you said about finding a, a lifestyle of learning in my my own life. Yes, quite frequently, my enjoyment comes from gaining a new skill, taking more courses on a weekend or an evening. Those are the things that re-energize me. And of course, they're balanced by other aspects in my life, but I don't ever see myself getting to a point where I think oh, I've made it. Even if I get to a position in my career where I said, okay, well, now I'm the chief human resources officer for this organization. I know I'll still be studying. I know I'll still be learning and I'll still be pushing myself to continue to develop. Otherwise I'll feel stagnant. So much of what we've been talking about is the development that's happened in you and some areas that have, that the company has been doing and developing. And now we've seen this, this you are a person who develops yourself and you are the person who's in charge of developing people at Credly. So what are you doing? What systems do you have in place to take all of this passion that you have about development and about personally developing yourself? How do you take that and how do you externalize it and develop your company? Fantastic question. So 
first and foremost, not only do we encourage and lead by example a culture of continuous learning, but we also provide the financial benefit for our employees to be able to do that. So every employee at Credly has an annual stipend that they can use to continue to develop in their professional development. Um, sometimes that's directly related to the role that they have now, and sometimes it's directly related to the role that they aspire to have in the future. So we remove the, the financial um, the financial barrier for individuals who might be wanting to continue to develop themselves. And then beyond that, I think it's really important for all leaders to, again, go back to the why, talk to your direct reports, talk to people in your organization about the things that motivate them, talk to them and ask them, where do you see things going in your career? And that can change. No, I don't always love the question of where do you see yourself in five years in an interview setting. Um, what I would, what I like to do when I'm interviewing individuals and when I'm talking to team members at Credly or even people in my network as well, I ask them what are the next things that you want to learn. Not where do you see yourself. What do you want to learn next? What are the things that excite you, that motivate you, that you are curious about, and how can I help support that? And again, going back to removing barriers and providing an environment for success, for growth within your organization, leaders cannot assume what is going to be important to any individual. You have to ask them and you have to provide the space with alignment with the values of your organization as well to allow for the opportunity for individuals to grow in a way that's meaningful to them. I wrote these three things down. If I were just to to grab a hold of a system for this right here, model for them because you're modeling. And even the fact that you were the story that Jonathan brought up when he came in, modeled it for you, you're modeling for others, pay for them. I like that. Sometimes people come to work with me out of the budget that their companies uh, pay for them. So I'm all for that as well. <laughs> and, and then the third one is stay involved with them. Yeah. Stay involved in that curiosity that you can't just do one of these. You can't just model, but not pay. You can't just pay for them and expect them to do their own. And then you can't just hands off. You got to stay involved with them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the biggest failures that leaders and managers uh, sometimes run into. We go through this rigorous recruiting process in any organization and we source for the best candidate. I have lots of thoughts about recruiting processes and how they can be improved as well. That's a separate conversation. That is, that's a whole, whole another topic. <laughs> um, but, you know, once you hire someone, that's not the end. I often give the example that if you were to give a parallel example of a dating relationship or a romantic relationship, um, once you get married, you don't just say, hey, great, it's been lovely to have met you, all right, um, you're going to go live in this corner of the house and we'll check in once a year for a review or a relationship check-in point or something like that. And yet so often we see that modeled in a lot of organizations where you hire someone and then they start, you give them a computer, you give them their list of responsibilities, and then it's hand off, hands off. 
you have yeah. to have open and transparent conversations early and often to make sure, first of all, that there's that alignment, that you are guiding and providing the opportunity for someone to continue to grow and develop, and you are mentoring them and helping them succeed. If you're not invested in your people and you're not having frequent conversations with them that are transparent and humble both ways, that are also mentoring those individuals, it's no wonder that individuals are not going to find success in their own growth in, um, in your organization. I think one of the worst things that can happen, and you mentioned it right there, is that whole just yearly check-in. Just, hey, it's, it's that time. When I first started, I was 26 years old and executive director, and that's all I knew. So it's like a year later, we're having one year of just conversations and the first time I did, I thought that felt awful. I'm dumping on him everything that he did well, everything he didn't do well. Like, why are, why am I waiting? Yeah. And it became shorter and shorter. And eventually to the point where I always thought, if I'm going to fire someone, I want them to know as soon as I know. Yeah. Yeah. It shouldn't be a surprise. Having, yeah. Yeah. We've been having that conversation. Absolutely. You know, I, I think that you hit on a really important point that, uh, I, I go back to uh, to one of my favorite books that I encourage all managers to read, uh, Radical Candor by Kim Scott, in that conversations and any sort of feedback, whether it be positive or negative, especially when you're getting to the point of potentially introducing a performance improvement plan or even a termination, it should never catch anyone by surprise. And ideally, both when an individual has found that your organization is no longer the right fit for them. Hopefully you've built a trusting relationship where you've already been open about what the aspirations are for that individual. Um, and, you know, and, and those situations aren't, uh, aren't a surprise either. Very good. Now you and I talked beforehand about the service industry because mm -hmm. you were in coffee. I was in coffee. I did um, my first career in the United States actually was painting houses, but then I did McDonald's for a couple months, then waiting tables for years through college and Starbucks during that time. And I got to serve some celebrities. You got a chance to serve some celebrities and you were in service. Talk to me, why do you think it's good for people to be in service in their own personal development? Oh, I am so glad that we have this parallel <laughs> in our in our lives because I think it's it's so foundational for any individual who is entrepreneurial uh, in, in an operations type of role. So I started out in hospitality at the age of 14 and 15 years old. I've worked in a variety of different restaurants. I worked for a variety of different retailers, sometimes simultaneously while balancing education. Um, and what I found personally is that you learn a lot of the soft skills that are so important with human management and human interaction in those experiences. You also learn how to adopt to change very quickly. There's always going to be challenges in a service industry and in hospitality. And so you learn how to, to think on your feet very quickly. Um, you learn how to make the most of situations that are sometimes very difficult to manage. Um, sometimes there's even elements of safety or, um, or concerns that may come in. You know, for example, 
I worked for Starbucks many years ago when I was a, a new manager. Uh, and I just and, found my I just found my Starbucks apron that I, somehow I still have. I didn't even know I had it. This is twenty years ago. So yeah, I, I still have mine as well, including my Coffee Master uh, apron as well. So yeah. um, <laughs> that's great. So. <laughs> But when I was a new manager at Starbucks, I made a horrible mistake in way over ordering the inventory that had to go into the freezer for pastries. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, the district manager is going to fire me. I'm going to get fired on the spot. I'm going to get fired. Everyone is so angry with me. I have all of this food that's going to waste, all of this product that is being wasted. And I always try to, um, I've always adopted the mentality anyway, when I've worked for any organization that it's not just the company's money, I am here to help protect it. And I'm here to make sure that this is being managed in a respectful way. Um, and there's also sustainability concerns about all of that too, when a certain amount of products goes to waste. Um, but in that situation, one of the most important lessons that I learned was there was no way that I could cover up that mistake, nor did I want to. I had to own that mistake and I had to be accountable for it. And I had to show how I was going to learn from that. And I asked specifically afterwards for that. Okay, I obviously made a glaring mistake in this situation. Teach me how to not do this in the future. Teach me your secrets so that I can both make sure that the inventory is plentiful for the, the needs of the operations, but then also is not putting us in this, this difficult situation again in the future. Um, so I've, I've learned so many lessons throughout, throughout my career in, uh, in a variety of different industries. Um, but I think working in hospitality or, or restaurant management is something that everyone can benefit from. Uh, you learn the mechanics of how an organization is run just out of necessity. Yeah, it's absolutely. The people skills is huge right there. I wrote this book called um, Connected Emotional Intelligence. And in it, I talk about that, that, that ability to understand people and relate with people. EQ, emotional quotient, is a greater predictor of success than well, education or experience, which is what Credly knows very well, since you guys don't require that, but really you measure other areas. It's absolutely incredible. Brittany, this has been so fun talking through this. I've loved where we've gone with this. We've gone in a total different direction than where we went with Jonathan and really understanding in some way what makes you tick and then what, what makes you help others do extremely well. If you were to give us just a closing statement that said, I want you to take this home. I want you to grab a hold of this to all the other people, developers out there, managers, CEOs, small business owners, uh, HR. If there's one thing that you just say, grab a hold of this, what, what's your, what's your big, huge takeaway? A lack of a college degree is not a red flag, but organizations that require things like a college degree may be signs of a, a bigger red flag within that organization. Skills-based hiring is the future. Look for candidates and look for employees within your organization who have the skills, who have the motivation, who have the curiosity, and who have the care about the mission of your organization. And those are the people that you want to invest in. Those are the people who are going to move the needle and help your organization move forward. It's just like taking a microphone right there, 
dropping it, letting the bomb go off. A couple different analogies right there for people to be thinking about. I love that. And people can check out credly.com too, just to personally promote your organization. Because as I've dove into what you do in interviewing with you, it's just absolutely fantastic. Brittany, thank you so much. I really appreciate you being on the program, sharing your thoughts with us. Thank you so much. It's a delight. Thank you, Mike. And to all of our listeners and to our viewers, thank you so much for being part of it. Take a moment, like, subscribe, share with somebody else, and we'll see you on the next show. Thanks for listening to Masters of Employee Development. Do you know someone who would be a great guest? Send them to mikeacker.com forward slash apply. Do you want the show notes? Go to connect.mikeacker.com. Until next time, subscribe, rate, and give a review on Amazon or iTunes or your favorite platform. Thank you.